Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast formerly about The Good Place. <laughs> and we're still sad about it. <laughs> and now, for now, about whatever we dang feel like, um, because we kind of haven't decided what big project, if any, we're going to tackle next. My name is Brianna. And with me on the line, she brought canned green beans to a Thanksgiving celebration in March. It's my sister, Marissa. Uh, no, I did not. And no, I will not eat them. I don't care if it's a hazing ritual in your house. No, 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 no. I thought that scene was sweet. It was sweet. And I will never eat canned green beans. I mean, unless it's, you know, well, here we go. Unless it's coronavirus quarantine and it's the last thing left in the pantry okay. then i will eat the can of green beans. i'm gonna put a moratorium on coronavirus <laughs> chat corona hashtag corona chat on this podcast everybody stop shaking hands wash your hands a lot and get up get a pantry full of food just elbow bump people but like we yes this, this should this podcast should be a nice little break for everybody from the hellscape that is <laughs> that we have we we continue to descend into every time we think this is the lowest that it gets surely there's nothing worse than this and then the next week this era is like oh no <laughs> we're gonna we're just gonna we're gonna punch you down a little further down into the okay down into the, another circle of hell enjoy um it's pandemonium out there and not the good kind <laughs> yeah. that Eleanor is talking about. But today here on this podcast, pour yourself a glass of white wine and lock your sensitive <laughs> correspondence away from your prying sister because we watched To All the Boys, P.S. I Love You, the sequel to To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And if you remember, if you've been with us for a while, uh, you'll remember that To All the Boys I've Loved Before, the the first one was a dealer's choice movie that we did kind of in when um the good place was on hiatus and we were like scraping the barrel for things that we wanted to talk about and it's episode 47 if you want to go oh back. there you go thank you and yeah it was a fun movie so the second one came out it dropped for valentine's day and so we decided to uh watch it together and Spoilers up top, we have some differing opinions. <laughs> uh, wildly different. I mean, this is going to be a real... Usually you and I agree on pretty much everything. <laughs> like, we just don't do... We don't disagree on... I guess I was more amused by that Whoopi Goldberg Ted Danson uh. movie than you were. <laughs> but normally we're, like, on the same page. And, and this movie, I think we are, like, 180 from each I other. I agree. I agree. Well, maybe we're, like... 150 but like we're still pretty far apart <laughs> it's an obtuse angle yeah, so before we get into the recap uh you can find us on itunes google play and at goodplay.cast.rocks go ahead and rate and review us we're not you know looking for we're not doing any kind of re review drive because our main show as we as we all know has has gone into the west but we're gonna try and keep this going so if you want to stick with us and just like listen to us talk about random stuff then great we'd love to have you also you can follow and like us on facebook uh we have a group called the good play twitter at the good play pod and you can send us an email at the good play pod at gmail.com i have a little bit of listener feedback from stalwart oh, friend of the pod kate about our second finale our second 
crying episode. our second episode of, of crying and talking about the finale so maybe we could tackle that at the very end but other than that sure um do you want me to do the recap do you want to do the recap yeah sure go ahead and do all the right recap. so uh i'll try to you know be make as, it snappy. as quick as i can so we all remember what happened in the last one right laura jean covey right <laughs> writes five letters her younger sister puts stamps on them and mails them Marin- Somehow knows their addresses. Still not sure what the no the addresses of were on the front, weren't they? Isn't that the whole How point? How did she know? I don't okay. know. Um, and then she's Lara Jean had a crush on her sister's ex boyfriend. In order to distract from that, she starts ba- dating Peter, who's a jock. Fake dating. They fake date for a few months, then they actually catch feelings for each other, and it ends with them actually getting together. So that's the recap. Uh, what. And what we now know is, of course, the other letters are out there. Um, one of them was received by Lucas, who goes to our high school, who turns out to be gay. So he's just like the gay best friend in this movie. Um, one of the letters was returned and there is another letter that's kind of floating out there. And that's what this sort of sets up this movie. So, But there was a but there was like a boy who shows up at the end of the last movie who's like, that's not explored at all, right? Right. I mean, I... Th- I wonder if they did that as a button in case they didn't get a sequel. Okay. And because I think that kid is supposed to be the guy who shows up in this movie. I think. I believe the kid at the end of the first movie was white. Right. I know. And this child is African-American. Right. So that doesn't really. Right. Doesn't really track for me. (laughs) So I think they just forgot that that kid existed or he was like a throwaway. (laughs) I don't know. But um, Laura Jean is, is we, we find her getting ready for her first real date with Peter. So this is picking up like pretty close to the end of the first movie if they're just going on their first date. Time in this movie completely eluded me. Sure. Yeah, we could talk about that. <laughs> Definitely. I just, I just constantly felt unmoored. <laughs> like there was one thing to hang your hat on and that was March was their fake skiving. So I looked up. We'll get to it, but I looked up Korean New Year. Oh, isn't it just the same as Chinese New Year? It happens in February. Okay, so it's a little bit after. Wait, it's in February every year or it moves around? I think it might move around, but I think it happens. But it's it's like similar to, like it's the Lunar New Year, right? Yeah. Yes. So then it's like, you know, it's like end know. of January. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, end, oh, by the year, by the way, by the way, this is my year. The year of the rat, right? The year of the rat, which I looked at the news being like, welcome to the year of the rat. I was like, that can't be right. That would mean that I'm turning a multiple of 12. And then I was like, oh, God, I am ah! 36 this year. But uh, it is the year of the rat is my year. So, so okay. So that's fair that we do have that. But that means that this movie happens over like quite a short period of time. Yes. <laughs> like quite a short period of time. Yeah. And also, is he on the what lacrosse team lacrosse lacrosse okay i don't know anything about the lacrosse season so that helps me not at all (laughs) yeah me neither Woo. okay if it was like basketball or football i'd be like well obviously or soccer even to be like well that but no lacrosse last time well no he was still playing lacrosse so last so in the last movie we saw them have actual new year christmas and actual new years right because 
The ski trip was in the wintertime. Hey, well, I think I think calling it actual New Year's is a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> problematic. Uh, non-lunar New Year. The the Gregorian, Gregorian New, Year. New Year. I'm so sorry. I I really am sorry. I didn't mean to. That's not what I meant at all. Gregorian <laughs> New Year's. Jesus. <laughs> I don't even know if Gregorian is the right word. I don't but I care. Like, I like the way it sounds. It's better than actual New Year's. <laughs> but we we saw them celebrate Christmas. We saw them go on the ski trip, which ha- had to happen in the wintertime. And then... Sure. And then we saw them celebrate New Year's because that's when she's, like, really sad and she rips up the contract and stuff. So... Okay. I didn't remember any of that. So you... I probably would think that their their making up happened... Oh, and Valentine's Day. Of course. Valentine's Day happens in this movie. Yes. Valentine's right. Day happens in this movie, too. So I would say that... So this picks up, like... January tenth, right? Basically, yeah. Because and, that, and it goes and that makes through, sense. Then and it, it goes through like March fifteenth, maybe. Sure. <laughs> so like a chunk of like two months. We're really trying. That to- is such an insanely short amount of time for all the stuff that happens in this movie. Listen, when you're in high school, temperatures are running hot. Okay, that's just- I guess you're right. Okay, so. Now that we've spent approximately 45 <laughs> minutes figuring out the timeline for this movie. not. So they're going on their first real date. So this movie picks up, yeah, like January 10th. Like when we get back 10th. to school. Um, he picks her up. He has flowers for her. He takes her to this really schmancy restaurant. She's really nervous. I found this very cute. LJ. Oh, a lot of this, a lot of this I found super relatable. Like oh, a lot of Laura Jean's. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I definitely remember going to like fancy restaurants on like high school and college dates and being like what are we doing here but uh, i mean as as you know i (laughs) didn't have any dates until i was 20 (laughs) but i imagine this is what it would have been like (laughs) white wine john corbett is back we got to talk a lot about john corbett in this movie because he's one of my favorite parts Lara Jean is getting better at her driving which is something we remember from the first movie and she drives them to this like lantern send-off thing that, like, I don't even know what this is, but it's cute, and they sort of make this promise to each other that's like, we're not gonna break each other's hearts, and I was watching this, and I have this in the notes, hey, kids, you're in high school, it'll happen, sorry. <laughs> like, it's just the way of the world, and that... It, it was staged really weird, where everybody else has their lanterns lit, and they're just waiting for Peter and <laughs> LJ to finish their lantern before they, like, put them in the air. They kiss goodnight, and I just thought Peter was being very cute. And then it's Korean New Year, which I'm assuming is in, like, early February, because I looked it up, and it said February 12th, so, but maybe it moves around. late. It does. I'm almost certain that it moves around. So the girls are all dressed up in traditional outfits. I don't know what they're called. I'm sorry. And John Corbett is, and they're, like, Skyping with uh, their older sister, Margot, who's in in college in Scotland and am I doing this right etc the the girls look beautiful and John Corbett is like oh I have two beautiful roses and I was like "Ah, John Corbett you just you can see in his face that he's seeing his dead wife in them you know what I mean this is this scene is tough this scene's real tough yes so they go by the way uh Korean Lunar New Year is celebrated at the same time as Chinese New Year except for a rare case every several years where they fall one day apart okay so so they go to their deceased mother's Korean family get together. And there's a pic there's a big old picture of the dead 
wife slash daughter slash mom on the mantle yeah. that John Corbett has to lingeringly stare at. It's, it's sad. It's really sad. It's, it's sad. It's, it's very really sad. sad. And you kind of get this voiceover of like older family members asking him if he's dating anybody and that kind of thing. Mm. And it's this sort of it. it's we talked about this in the last episode that we did for the first movie, but like. He doesn't get, there's no plot attention in the first movie towards his life as a single dad, really. And except for like that one scene where he takes her out to the diner and talks about their mom. There's no inner life of John Corbett dad going on, right? And so this movie pays a lot more attention to that. And then we also meet like a Korean cousin who's like, very over everything cool for school she's like the april ludgate of the family and just like doesn't care (laughs) and yeah i mean the voiceover lj is basically saying like i know like dad says it's important to honor our korean heritage but i also think it helps him feel closer to mom and it's just like very sad it's very sad yeah and they get home and there's a letter waiting for lj and it's from somebody named john ambrose mclaren uh, who's the kid from Model UN. So in the first movie, this is one of the people that she sent a love letter to or Kitty sent a love letter to. And he <laughs> writes her back and basically says, like, I also liked you back then. And, you know, like, it's so great to hear from Can you. Can you imagine how validating that would be? <laughs> if you had had a, a middle school crush who you then heard from in high school, like, oh, yeah, I liked you too. Like, I think i would have died happy at that point (laughs) you'd be like well this is this is i've peaked this is the pinnacle (laughs) yeah um and lj freaks out about whether or not to respond and she puts a bunch of drafts that she's written to him in a drawer and i was like having flashbacks and i was like girl burn those have you learned nothing like you got to get rid of the evidence but nothing happens with that i was looking at it being like she's wasting so much beautiful stationery a lot of beautiful stationery um, so the next day in school, she tells Peter about John's letter and he kind of gets weird about it and, you know, kind of understandably, but there's a lot of Peter, unfortunately, the jealousy rears its ugly head in this movie quite a bit for both of them. And, um, but apparently they were like all buddies together in middle school because... Yeah, this was a weird, this was like not, this was <laughs> facts, not an evidence in the first movie. Right. They kind of like ginned up a backstory that like oh we were like all a crew hanging out together when we were in middle school and like ev- like everybody knew everybody blah 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 it's like that's not what I that's not the impression I got from that first movie at all so the first movie does talk about all of them minus John Ambrose being buds because she kissed Peter at like a seventh grade party with Jen there and all that kind of stuff. So like, I believe yeah, but that, that doesn't imply to me that she and Peter were friends. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess not. But yeah, it, the closeness was definitely not, we didn't hear in the last movie, like, Oh, we hung out all the time, blah, blah, blah. We got that more from Josh, who is not in this movie for one second. Oh, wow. Good point. Yeah, He's not in this movie at all. I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. He's not in it at all. Yeah. But then what we find out is that John Ambrose was like part of this crew with them in middle school. And then his parents moved away to like a neighboring district. So Peter is like, oh, that's my boy. Like John Ambrose, man. Like I haven't thought about him in so long. I miss that guy. And which they apparently, I mean, it's as if 
like I, I was about to come up with an analogy of the place that we grew up that's going to resonate with exactly nobody, but like it's it's okay. Here's here's the Simpsons. Like oh, they moved to Shelbyville. Like we haven't seen him in <laughs> five years because yeah. he moved all the way to Shelbyville. Like y- you have a car. <laughs> yeah, but like I think there's a pretty you know Peter. I don't. I think there's a level of, like, implied, like, we were friends by circumstance and, like, oh, it's good to hear about him, but I'm, like, not uh, waiting on pins and needles. Like, we weren't that close kind of thing. And so they, then they go in to sign up for community service hours and apparently... <laughs> Which I was like, I was like, I feel like this community service hours thing is going to be really important because nobody will stop talking about it. <laughs> And I guess Peter made a deal to sign up for community service hours with his bros, which I was like, I was like, what is the conversation with like the boys in the lacrosse team of like, hey, guys, we all got to take this community service hour thing really seriously. So let's make a pact. <laughs> like, no, no, I think it's I think it's mandatory. It is That's mandatory. But, like, let's all do so it. So I can absolutely place. see, if it's mandatory, like, let's all get the same slot. Like, I totally, I can totally see that. The fact that they picked what appears to be some sort of, like, an intake kitchen for donated produce? Like a food bank, I think. That? Well, no, because someone else that they said they Okay, no, you're. I think you're right. Because someone else that they signed up for a soup kitchen, which I guess is technically distinct from a food bank... Like a soup kitchen is serving people every day prepared food and a food bank is where you go in and you can take food off the shelves like in right. a stock pantry. So yeah. they, yes, they're different. I've done community yeah. service so it hours seems at like a food go- bank and it's basically like okay. you're in a warehouse <clears throat> stocking like shelves and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I guess I could see that. I just had a moment where I was like, are all these lacrosse boys like, we, we really got to do this for the community. <laughs> like, no, I don't believe I that. I can totally see... There seems to be a whole culture around this, especially because Lara Jean knows, like, what looks good on your college transcript and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I can totally see there being a culture around this of, like, everybody knows which is the easy assignment and all the bros make a pact. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, it actually struck me as, like, super plausible. <laughs> That's true. I took it in a different way, but I think you're right. And so she was expecting the two of them to volunteer together. And he's like, I'm going to go volunteer with my bros. And she's like, okay. And she signs up for this. I couldn't get over the old folks home is named Bellevue. And there's a hospital in New York. That's a psychiatric hospital called Bellevue. It's extremely, extremely, extremely famous. Uh, <laughs> it is the most, it's mo- the most famous psych ward ever. It's, on Law and Order a lot if you watch Law and Order, but it's a real place <laughs> and I could not get over. She's like, I'm going to volunteer at Bellevue. I was like, honey, are you sure? Because I was like, is there a Bellevue like West Campus that's a psychiatric ward somewhere that I don't know about? <laughs> They're in Washington State. No, it's an old folks. It's a really fancy old folks home. It is the fanciest freaking old folks home <laughs> I was like, anybody has ever lived in. I was in. like, who do I have to murder to get in here? <laughs> so it was like the Yale University of old folks, which homes. is maybe why, because she said, you know, college transcripts. It looks good on my college transcript. Does it? Why? I no. don't know. I thought it was going to be like genuinely hard work and that's why it looks good. But now I'm like, oh no, like the provost's mom lives oh, there. Oh, I'm sure that's what it is. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we'll get to the old folks home in a sec because there is 
Uh, the queen there, is there. <laughs> yes. We have a lot of queens. We have a lot of queens. This lady is one of them. But before we get there, Jen shows up at, at this community service fair. And she's like... Jen, just to refresh, is Peter's ex-girlfriend. Peter's ex-girlfriend. They were together for a long time. Yes. Um, and she's like a big old B to LJ. And I was like, she here is, we go again. Yeah, she's problematic. I was like, this is great. And then um, he's late to... You know, there are a lot of these things in the beginning of the movie where they set up that, like, there there's a mismatch going on here of attention or of intention and that kind of thing. And so, like, he's late to a date, uh, but then he takes her out to a carnival. They have a great time, etc. So, like, Can I just, can I rewind for one second? Yeah. One of the ways in which Jen kind of gives LJ a hard time is that she mentions that the restaurant that Peter took her to is a restaurant that he took Jen to, like, a million times. And Laura Jean has this thought that I think that I have had verbatim, (laughs) which is, so this was my first time, but he already had his first time with somebody else. Yeah. Like that exact thought on like with so many things, like, like one example, my husband was married before briefly and like, we're on like super great terms with his ex-wife and there's no like drama or anything. But certainly when I was wedding planning, there was a voice in my head going like, well, it's your first time, but for him, it's just like, he already did this. Mm. It's just such a, it's to me, I don't know if it's like a female thing or a human thing, but it, it to, I was like, oh no, I relate too hard to this. Interesting. That's so interesting to me because my thought was, like, oh, girl, you gotta, you gotta get past that. Like, everybody has a history, right? So I had a very different reaction to that. So that's another thing we can talk about. That, okay. That's cool. And so, yeah, but Jen is a big old bee, and she's just trying to get uh, <laughs> her to be jealous. And it's working. It's clearly working. And blah, blah, blah. Kitty, meanwhile, is <laughs> there uh, at home again. And Kitty is scoping out their divorce neighbor, uh, Trina. Who hilariously is named Mrs. Rothschild. So you're like, oh, it's a nice Jewish lady. No, it's a nice woman woman of um, Indian subcontinent extraction. I know. Who I guess must have been married to a Jewish man. I know two Indian Jewish people. So it does happen. But. Okay. You know. But yeah, it is definitely, they they definitely, this movie really amped up the, like, United Colors of Benetton in this town. (laughs) So Trina stops by and Kitty is, like, you know, gossiping with LJ and is basically like, you know, I think she'd be perfect for dad. And Kitty is high on her own surprise. She's like, LJ, you know, because you were my first success story, like, I thought you'd be more, uh like accepting or i thought you'd be more excited about like my plan for dad and lj's like oh my god you gotta stop but she also participates in it all right now we get to bellevue the old folks home not bellevue (laughs) the psychiatric ward okay the legend holland taylor holland freaking a taylor is here ladies and gents if i had known ahead of time holland taylor (laughs) yeah what were you going to say? No, I just, I would have come into this movie with a lot more reverence <laughs> if I'd known to expect her. So something I mentioned briefly, but uh, fun fact about Holland Taylor, she is married to Sarah Paulson. Incredible. It, Incredible. Yes. And uh, if anybody doesn't know who Holland Taylor is, she's the mean yet 
uh, amazing professor in Legally Blonde. Yes, she is. Uh, and she's just great uh, in a lot of other things. Okay, so okay. so her character's name is Stormy. And she apparently knew, so Lara Jean's older sister volunteered here as well. So she knows who Lara Jean is already when she comes in, which I thought was kind of cute. She she like walks in, she's like, that's a song covey if ever I saw one. I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> so apparently in the book, Stormy is John Ambrose McLaren's grandmother. Oh, snap. The stakes just got higher. In the movie... They did not address that at all. And that's probably for the best. Yeah, I agree. But I thought it was interesting because I have not read this book, but I wonder if the dynamic was different knowing that, like, she was the grandma. It's kind of gotta be, right? Yeah. Also... Also kind of changes John Ambrose's motivations for volunteering. (laughs) Right. That, like, in this iteration, although he doesn't know that LJ's volunteering there. No, he doesn't. But I assumed that this was like, you know, he's a very studious, he's a very cheaty-like figure. Yes. He's a very studious guy who cares about his transcript. And like, this is the thing that looks good on your transcript when you're applying to colleges. Right, 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 right. But I thought that was an interesting omission. Because when I was looking up some of the characters in in the um, story to like, take notes, uh, I noticed I was so I was waiting for the reveal that she's his grandma and it never happened. And I was like, huh, OK, that was interesting. Oh, interesting. Anyway, so but the legend Holland Taylor, whose name is Stormy, she's super sassy and turns out that John Ambrose is the other volunteer and he's super cute. I mean, he's very, very, very cute. And LJ Church like Bruno Mars. He is. Like- he does sort of have that Bruno Mars like like just very good looking um yeah lj trips and falls when she sees him which is not unlike what happens to her in the first movie and she asks for the letter back and he doesn't want to give it back but he says that he will loan it to her so that she can read it but he wants proof that someone liked him and she's like oh we all liked you and he's like no no i didn't care about everybody and i was like "Ooh, hoo hoo!" i was like the temperature is mm-hmm. turning up does, does he ever get that letter back yeah, I think so. Yeah. Really? Okay. I think. So at home, she's like obsessing over him. And this is something that I found creepy in the first movie and it remains creepy, which is that the people in her mind show up in her oh, room. Oh, I don't like that one bit. But I, I will say one thing I was grateful for. At one point, she's lying in bed staring at a photo of her mom. And I was like, please don't have her mom materialize I and sit on the bed and talk to her. I thought for a second that was going to happen. And it didn't. They really set it up to happen. And I wonder if they put it in initially and then they kind of screened it and people were like, no. That was really hard. Yeah, it just remains creepy. And it's both basically like, you like me, right? You like me, right? You like me, right? It's like the same thing that happened in the first movie, but just amped yeah, up. Yeah, the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, so Kitty and LJ are making Valentine's and LJ is making one for Peter and Kitty is making one from tr- for, for Trina from their dad. <laughs> But she, like, she puts, like, Mrs. Rothschild on it and, like, a whole bunch of glitter. So, like, <laughs> Trina's like, okay, I, I, I see what this is. And on Valentine's Day at school, LJ is kind of, they have this thing that's, like, a singagram from the acapella groups. Did, did our school have this? And I just didn't, I don't remember I it because I never got a valentine. trying to remember. No, I think we did <laughs> what they do in, um, 
Mean Girls with the oh the candy candy grams. Gra- the candy, candy canes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yes. I think we did that for the holidays, but I don't. And none for Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> goodbye. Four for you, Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> That's my favorite line. Um, but I don't think that we did anything for Valentine's Day that was like. Oh, I mean, there may have been candy grams for Valentine's Day, but there weren't singing telegrams. No, right? I don't think the teachers would. My have... favorite. I was gonna say my favorite part was when they like the the acapella group walks in and there's like a teacher at the board like clearly trying to like teach trigonometry, <laughs> and they kind of come and she's like, "Ugh, just get it over with." Yeah. <laughs> and somebody had said, uh, one of the cheerleaders or something had has said to LJ like. Oh, you know, Peter did this every period, like got one for Jen every period of the day. So be ready for it. And then he doesn't get her one. And she's kind of. Oh, yeah. And she's waiting for it for sure. Yeah. And she definitely is salty about that. Uh, Yeah. So she's expecting one and she doesn't get it. And she feels kind of let down. She's expecting like seven and she gets zero. Um, and then she gets even more disappointed when, you know, like she goes to give Peter her Valentine and Peter's whole locker is like, filled. you know, she's dating arguably the most popular guy in their grade. A jock. Yeah. And so I think they have a sort of mismatch of like, you know, that's, he doesn't also because of her insecurities, and I'm not saying that they're not valid. They certainly are. But, you know, she's really looking at this through the lens of like, you know, uh, her own experience being so different from his. And he just sort of doesn't have that same lens and so right, he doesn't do anything for her during the actual school day. But interestingly, when they're having a fight later, he says, I didn't think that would be your style. So I have a lot of things to say about Peter that probably you're going to disagree with. Um, but one of them is, I think he the difference potentially between his relationship with Jen and his relationship with LJ is that maybe he felt because Jen had certain expectations and she was very popular that like there was the expectation on him that he had to be performative in certain ways because the the whole thing with the Sangergrams, the acapella group coming into class is is only for the benefit of other people. There's there there's no other, <laughs> right? Like that other people know somebody cares about you. Whereas LJ is much more of an introvert. So I sort of took it as like he was reading that signal from her that she wouldn't want that. And she only expects it because somebody else said to her, oh, Jen used to get this. I mean, I we, we our, our major disagreement about this movie will be adjudicated after the plot is finished being summarized. Okay. But I will say that like, even if he doesn't think that she wants big showy gestures, fine. Even if he thinks the singergrams are inappropriate for her, fine. We're still talking about an entire school day where he doesn't appear to interact with her at all. And it's Valentine's Day and the school seems to take Valentine's Day deadly seriously. <laughs> Apparently. Um, but so like the need... fact that he didn't, he could have like just slipped a Valentine into her locker first thing. You know what I mean? Like he, it didn't have to be showy. It didn't have to be flashy. It didn't have to require her to be an extrovert for him to Make sure that during this whole entire school day, she didn't feel like she had been forgotten. I thought they met up at lunch. I I don't recall that being the case. I think isn't lunch isn't lunch where she's watching the the lesbian couple get serenaded by the acapella group, and Peter is nowhere to be found there. Maybe, but she's eating Subway with Chris later, so I assume that was lunchtime. Uh, no, I think that was after. 
after school. I'm not totally sure. Okay. I mean, but anyway, I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but he has not forgotten about her. He gets her a really beautiful necklace and reads her a poem that comes up again later. And she has baked him something and made him a homemade Valentine and he loves it. And she feels very happy about the necklace. It's a very cute homemade Valentine. It is. And I thought the necklace was really nice too. So it's not as if he forgot about her. It's just that. No, he didn't. He just kind of, in my mind, he kind of whiffed the. Yeah. The day of situation. So then Chris tries to have a conversation with LJ about this is a family podcast. So like taking care of her own needs before she lets somebody else take take care of those needs, something or other. I don't really know how to summarize this. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, but that, I think, sort of is another thing that LJ feels, like, really insecure about because she doesn't have that experience. And I've certainly had, can relate, have those feelings, etc. And then Peter's friend, Trevor, comes in and Chris is like, hey, and LJ's like, what's going on? And they're like, nothing, bye. And it's very, anyway. So back at Bellevue, uh, John Ambrose and LJ are like tasked with just like cleaning out an old room because they're going to have a party in there. And John loans back the letter to her and she reads it. And in it, she just says, like, you know, I really love you and care about you. And I'm really sad that you're leaving and maybe we'll meet again. And Holland Taylor, like, sees her face after she's read this and tries to get... She says something hilarious, like, a woman can't be seen in public with a face like that. Yeah, something like that. so baller. Everything is like a Audrey Hepburn movie with Holland Taylor. Do you know what I mean? Like, everything's that dramatic. And, you know... Holland Taylor talks to LJ and she's like, you know, basically they're talking about love and boys and Holland Taylor's <laughs> like, listen, it's messy. And like a lot of my love affairs with one person started while I was in another love affair with someone right. else. A lot of my affairs overlapped, I think is how she puts yeah. it. And Peter turns out the, the poem that Peter wrote her is like, his own adaptation of something from Edgar Allan Poe. Annabelle Lee. And she was a child and I was a child. I and my Annabelle Lee. Yeah. And you know, they're at a later on, they're at a house party and, uh, Peter's playing some drinking game and, uh, LJ is sort of anxiety word vomiting all over Lucas. Who's the gay best friend. And Lucas is sort of like, well, at least you have options. <laughs> you know, like, I'm gay and there's nobody gay here, right? A good reminder for all of the straight teens out yeah. there. And Peter kind of notices that LJ is, you know, going into introvert mode or maybe doesn't want to be there. So they head out and in the car, you know, they start kissing and LJ kind of can't shut her brain off, which I've been here too. And... This was gross. Jen shows up in the backseat of the car in LJ's brain and is basically like, Oh yeah, I didn't like that one bit. And was basically like taunting her like, oh, he's really good at this and he got really good at this from me and like, guess what else he's good at? And LJ's like, I don't want to have sex with you. And he's like, whoa, okay. Uh, I was not uh, asking to... Like I would so trying to have sex with you in in a car in the front yard of your house. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this wouldn't be the place. Uh, <laughs> but like, I hope, I I hope you don't feel pressured. I don't mean to pressure you. I'm not trying to do that. And they actually end up being able. She kind of is 
self-aware enough to like be able to have a conversation about this and and he responds in a what i thought was like a pretty sweet way and they can kind of get through this conversation about what their expectations are in that department but you know i think she has like a really understandable fear a hundred percent yeah that he and jen were sleeping together a lot and you know basically do you feel deprived that that's something that's not in your life right now and i think that that's like i would have had the exact same feeling totally totally no i I, yeah i mean it's i think before when i was saying like oh you've got to get over that i don't mean it in i i want to clarify that i didn't mean it in a dismissive way I just meant that, like, oh, honey, like, I I really, as an adult watching this, like, I really want to, (laughs) I really want to just, like, take you by the hand and tell you that, like, this is something that is really natural and a lot of people go through this and you will find in time that you get over that too. That you will, it will certainly, you'll have your moments, but, like, you will find as you get some more life experience that, like, you know everybody has a history and and a past and you just kind of have to navigate it together. Not like, Oh, you got to You just got to get over it. Like that's, I want to clarify. That's not what I meant because I I do think that this is super relatable, really, really, really relatable. But if you don't, if you're not honest about it or you don't look at it together in a, if you're in a situation with a partner, like as we see in this movie, it can be really disruptive to the relationship to not deal with those kinds of issues. But yeah, I think it's super relatable. And then back at the old folks' home, John, Ambrose, and LJ are volunteering at an event. And they're like supposed to be volunteering and they're actually just talking to each other about middle school. This is the bingo. Yeah, they're doing bingo. And one of the ladies is finally like, hey, bingo. Cut the chatter. And then she she wins and she says suck it to the lady she's sitting next to which I thought was really funny it's pretty great and peter and lj or sorry not peter uh john and lj are kind of bonding through this and also we get an understanding that john ambrose always felt like he was second fiddle to peter which i don't imagine the end of this movie makes him feel any better about that yep but i thought that was kind of interesting sets up that sort of like he was jealous of peter uh, in some way and you know she does a thing again that's very relatable and cringy that I have definitely done where you're in a relationship but you're sort of like not sure about it and then you meet somebody else who really sparks your interest and you just sort of neglect to tell them that you're in a relationship and you have the chance to do it and you just don't do it that's basically what happens <laughs> yeah which I Again, relatable, I wouldn't recommend. It's not something I've ever (laughs) felt good about doing, but I've done it. And so they are reminiscing about, like, the good times in middle school and, like, they're reading together. um, They went to a different version of middle school than I did. Yeah. And they're, like, reading in a treehouse together and they're, like, you know, apparently they, they... buried a time capsule in someone's private property question mark it was like the backyard of someone's house wasn't it his backyard was it it i thought so i thought it was like oh the couple who is moved yeah because he moved away but so they're okay so the second the owners after his family i think i think so are now moving out and there's another okay okay I was I couldn't figure out what that was about. 
And so she's, he's like, we should dig it up. And she's like, yeah, let's invite everyone, which is like not what he had in mind. And uh, I've been in that situation too. Oh, me at, too. <laughs> at that age of me being like, hey, boy, let's you and I do a thing. And he's like, great, I'm going to invite other people. And I'm like, great. I've also done the opposite thing, which is let's get a group together so I can scam on this one dude. I've done that a bunch. Oh, yeah. crafty. And then that guy didn't end up showing up to my thing. And I was like, ah! it's okay. We dated anyway later. <laughs> so she still doesn't mention that she's dating Peter. In bio class later, they're dissecting tiny octopuses. And I feel personally attacked <laughs> because I have a, <laughs> like, there's this big, beautiful illustration of an octopus on the board. And I'm like, no! Anyway, uh, <laughs> for the listeners who don't know, I don't know how much I talk about this. I have a... A respect-based, deep-seated fear for octopuses. <laughs> that is, and so therefore, real. I have adorned her apartment in octopi, octopodies, and, if you will. <laughs> I had a person come over to my apartment once and very genuinely say to me, "You must really like like octopi," and I'm like, "No, I don't." Everyone in my life just keeps getting them for me. <laughs> So, so far I've gotten you, like, the octopus dish and the octopus secret box. And have I gotten you, oh, and octopus plushie, maybe? Octopus plushie. Um, I also <laughs> bought octopus hand soap. I have an octopus pillow that I found for- Who got you the octopus poster? I have a poster? An oct- oh, oh, oh. Did you know? Um, ex- <laughs> ex-boyfriend- Oh, good. <laughs> who, the boyfriend I had when I was moving into this apartment said to me, I got you something for your new apartment, but I, you have to promise to hang it up before you see what it is. And I loved him. So I said, of course. And then uh, I opened it up and it was an octopus poster. And I was like, well, now I have to hang this. So I still have it up. <laughs> We haven't been dating in a very long time, but I still have that poster <laughs> up. And then I have an octopus mug. I have two octopus mugs. And that might be it. Any jewelry? No. Oh, yes. You and mom got me octopus earrings. <laughs> the guy I'm dating now got me another plush octopus. So it was just my... Look, you can never have enough things, versions of the thing that's trying to kill my... you. <laughs> I call it, um, what's that type of therapy where you... Exposure therapy. Exposure therapy. It's my exposure therapy every day. And my friends have told me that if and when I ever have a kid, they are going to theme my baby shower (laughs) with baby octopuses. I can't get away from it. So it is what it is. Anyway... So the teacher's like, oh, you'll see much more of these octopuses when we go to the aquarium later. And so you're like, okay... What group of high school juniors goes to the aquarium on a biofield trip? I wish we had done that. We went to, when I was a sophomore, we went to the Baltimore Aquarium on like a pleasure expedition. <laughs> as pleasure part of like a, ooh. expedition? Well, you know what I mean? Didn't you do the 10th grade field trip to Baltimore? Did I? Or was that, was that like, was it 9 11? <laughs> like. <laughs> It may have been so. Ninth, ninth grade was Gettysburg. Tenth grade was Baltimore. Eleventh grade was New York, and twelfth grade was Disney World. I had ninth grade Gettysburg. I had a band trip to Chicago. 
Shot town. Peace up. But Big I town. wonder if they canceled the New York trip because my high school was very my high school experience was very close to post nine eleven. And I don't know, but I don't remember Baltimore. I will be going to Baltimore pretty soon. And I you better believe I'm going to the aquarium just to scope out my enemies. Nemesis. The octopus. It's a gorgeous aquarium. It's also wildly expensive. Hooray. And so they then they go to the treehouse where the time capsule is buried and LJ immediately regrets this decision. Like the boys are sort of sizing each other up in that aggro crag way that we saw in the last movie between Josh and Peter. And she's like, oh, this no, it was worse in the last oh, movie. Oh, it was way argue. worse. But she was like, oh, this was such a bad idea. And then Jen shows up uninvited. It turns out Peter invited her, which was like not a good move. Like he definitely, invited. Oh, he boy. definitely makes some missteps. I am not 100% condoning his behavior here, but like it was really awkward that she showed up and this whole thing is so awkward and everybody's just like, ugh. And Jen is, like, stirring the pot, and Peter is getting really aggro. And this is how John finds out that LJ and Peter are dating, which is, like, also not a good look for Laura Jean, honestly. Afterwards, oh, and there's, like, they dig up the time capsule, and LJ had put in, like, a friendship bracelet, and Jen is like, there's nothing in here for me, it's empty. And everybody else kind of gets... such a trauma queen. And everybody else kind of gets something back, and... You know, they do a little reminiscing, but it's, like, very, very awkward. And then Peter and LJ kind of get in a fight afterwards. And I do think there's a bit of this sort of, like, performative, like, what does it mean to be a good girlfriend? What does it mean for you to be a good boyfriend to me? Like, and having to kind of, and I found this really relatable, too, because every relationship is different. So even if you've been in multiple relationships, the idea of what it means to be a good partner to that person might be different to what it meant in your last relationship. And so they're just sort of not really good at navigating that together because I think... I mean, they've been dating for like a hot Like real dating for like a month. Right. And so... Maybe a month and a half. Right. And so the parameters that they set up when they were fake dating were much more performative because they were like, we have to go make these other people jealous. So you have to write me notes every day and you have to come to parties with me and you have to do this for me and I have to do this. And there's, they like metered out, like here's the affection that we're going to give each other and all that stuff. And so I, I think actually it could have benefited from like, Hey, like a reminder of like, Hey, we don't have that anymore, but we can still have those conversations about, what does it mean, like, what does it mean to you to be in a relationship with me? I think they sort of skipped over that part. And they... they. That's also kind of a high-level conversation for a couple of high schoolers to yes, have. Yes, I agree. Um, and so they fight about some stuff, and she's like, you know, Jen used to dress up for your lacrosse games, and, like, I don't know if you want me to do that. And he's like, I mean, it would be nice. You know, the other girlfriends do it, but, like, you don't have to if you don't want to and she's like well but i want to be a good girlfriend for you and he's like okay well then maybe that's one way to do it and they kind of like have this very quick fight and she thinks they're breaking up and he's like or what are you he's like i don't want to break up i just we're having a fight and it's very bad and cringy and they make up and i kind of put that in air quotes that no one can see and you can tell that she's still really insecure 
uh, and it's not great. And at Bellevue, um, LJ and John Ambrose kind of have this moment where he's playing the piano. He's like so really well. He's like oh my goodness. He's like so coded as the opposite to Peter. Which is why I love him. Right. And which is why, you know, I have different feelings. But, like, I thought it was actually... I actually thought this was something interesting for us to talk about because it did not... It should have existed in the last movie and didn't. We didn't get... This movie was much more of a 50-50 split between the two boys. And last... Oh, for sure. And last movie should have been and wasn't. And I remember us talking about that. Like, you you kind of... I remember you specifically saying, I wanted to feel like I was in her shoes and think to myself, well, I don't know what to do. And that right. is how I felt watching this movie. Well, I don't know who she's going to pick. I genuinely didn't. I did not know who she was going to pick, but I knew who I was going to pick. Sure. Well, yeah. We can... Yep. And, you know, they have, like, a nice moment together, and she kind of apologizes to him. And then at the grocery store later... Uh, LJ's with her dad and they're picking stuff up for their Thanksgiving, which is happening in March. And she's for family historical reasons. Don't worry about and it. And she sees her dad talking to Trina and she kind of wingmans him a little bit and is like, you should come to our Thanksgiving. And he was, and she's like, Oh, I wouldn't want to impose. And then John Corbett dad is like, yeah, you should, you should totally come. I'll text you the deets. And I was like, Oh Lord. Uh, it was very cute. And then at Thanksgiving, so Peter's there, and LJ and Kitty are there, Trina's there, and their dad. And we actually get to hear a nice little story about how John Corbett met their dad, whose name is Evie. She didn't- Met their mom. Yes, I'm sorry. Jesus. How John Corbett met their mom, whose name is Evie. Uh, We know her name now. She didn't have a name in the last movie. And they sort of carry on this tradition because she liked to celebrate- thanksgiving in march because you know maybe she was a little bit of a manic pixie dream girl but in a good way manic pixie dream mom yeah and so you know they met in college so we get that little tidbit and one thing i'll i think we knew that from the last movie and one thing i'll say you know this might be for discussion as well i think this movie also could have benefited from a conversation with john corbett and lj where john corbett said you know, says to her, your mom and I fought too. We didn't always have a perfect relationship. And I mean, this is, it's just like the last one. This movie is cut to the bone. Yes, I agree. There's just like no, there's just like no extraneous scenes. There's no lingering shots. Like it is all like plot, 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 plot. Okay, we're done. Right. And so in the, but in the last movie, one of the most affecting scenes for me was the scene where they go to the diner together and he talks about their mom. And so I thought a nice addition would be, you know, because we'll see in a minute that, like, John Corbett knows something's wrong because LJ is, like, sleepwalking through the day and, like, won't get out of bed and stuff. So if there's a moment where he can kind of step in and say, like, I know that, you know, first of all, like, let's have a conversation about the fact that, like, I might be dating somebody new, which is, I think, a difficult thing for... Yeah, that... They, they, the sisters took it very gamely, but it's very likely that LJ would actually have more complicated feelings about it. I agree, because, like, Kitty was so young when their mom died that she doesn't really remember her, but, like, LJ and Margot clearly do. 
And I think it, but I, so I think it, that would have been a good conversation. I also think another good conversation would have been, you know, I know we like to remember the good times and I, I talk about the good stuff with your mom, but like, we also had fights and we didn't always get along. And there were times when our expectations were mismatched and like, we had to work through it. Cause I think that would have been a nice parallel to what LJ is going through, but we don't get that. So I just have to write a fanfic about it. Oy. So this is where things kind of go crooked. They, they go a little, a little pear shaped. So LJ is like getting dressed up for one of Peter's lacrosse games. And then Chris comes and shows LJ a photo of Peter and Jen together. And they're like hugging so if we remember, Chris and Jen are cousins, and so therefore I think they're sort of in each other's lives a little bit more. Yeah. And then it turns out, so LJ kind of confronts Peter about it at like right before he has to get on the bus, and he's trying to explain, and she's not really having it. And I totally understand that she's not having it. I'm not, you know, because I was sort of like, oh, Jen is back, and we're doing this again, and I'm not into that, and neither is she. And then it turns out that like, this I didn't get. I don't think I fully understood this. The hot tub situation from the last movie. Yeah, this is the nail in the coffin for me. Sorry, ladies. Yeah, I mean, I... We're done here. We are done here. But we're not. But we should be. Yeah, so help me unpack this. It was that Jen knew... Jen took the video. Jen knew where he was going to be. It's so... It's, it's, it's a it's a multi-layered betrayal that I can barely process. Okay. So if we, were, if we remember in the last movie, there is a whole foo towards the end where uh, LJ is sort of upset that Peter seems to be pulling away or something. And this is on the big ski trip. And then Lucas kind of encourages her and is basically like, Peter obviously has the hots for you. And so she goes and finds him in the hot tub and they make out and it gets instagrammed it gets videotaped and instagrammed and it's like a huge huge hugely negative thing for lj like it is devastating for her like psychologically all kinds of ways and so the open question from that movie is who videotaped it who put it on instagram oh also like uh, stills from it get like like taped up to her locker and like all kinds of stuff she gets basically cyber bullied within an inch of her life so the open question from that movie is like, who did the videotaping and who, you know, who disseminated it? She and assumes this, it's Jen. She assumes it's Jen. And it comes up in the, at, at, at in this movie as, a, as well, I believe, in the last movie. And Peter's take is always, we don't know it was Jen. And LJ's always like, yeah, but we can probably guess, right? But like, okay, fine. You're right. We don't technically have evidence. So a couple of things become evident in this fight. Number one, Peter did in fact know the whole time that it was Jen who had videotaped it and put it on Instagram and printed out the stills probably and taped them to her locker. Like they don't get into all of the cyber bullying and real world bullying, but like there was a lot of it. And number two... The reason Peter was in the hot tub in the first place that night is because he was waiting for Jen to come make out with him. So that's the reason that she was like there in the first place with her cell phone (laughs) to take a video of them is because she was like, oh, he said, I'm going to be in the hot tub at 10 p.m. or whatever. And so she comes out there with her bikini and then, you know, LJ's already there making out with him. So like... You know, in that situation, uh, you feel for Jen, don't you? 
Like, she yeah. still did a really bad and damaging thing, but it wasn't just like, oh, how dare you date the boy that I used to date. It's like, no, literally, I was supposed to be in that hot tub. So, okay, thank you for that explanation, because I that got a little muddled for me, and it doesn't, I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> but I also don't, do you think that, I don't think that, in the first movie because LJ confronts Jen in the first movie, right? And so yes, about the whole thing. And so mm-hmm. I'm wondering if this was a raising of the stakes for the sequel. Like a retcon. Like a retcon, yes. Because don't you think that Jen would have said in the first movie, like, he wasn't there to see you, he was there to see me? Yeah. The, the most although it would have been it maybe would have then been an admission of guilt that she didn't want to make because doesn't Margot sort of talk to lawyers and stuff no she she just no 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 she just flags it for instagram and says like you have to take this down because they're under 18 Mm, okay so but the most she says in that in that first movie in that scene in the bathroom is you kissed peter when we were 12 and he was my boyfriend right. and I was jealous of that. And I'm not as tough as you think I am and blah, blah, blah. You know, she was not a sympathetic. She becomes towards the end of this movie, a more sympathetic character. She was not at all a sympathetic character in the last movie. And I kind of want to believe that this was a retcon to cause a prob like more problems because... I don't think she would have, like, I think she would have just said, like, yeah, he was there to see me. And if you don't believe me, you should go ask him or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree that there's a few things in this movie that kind of don't make sense when you go back to the first movie. Yeah, it did. It did kind of, because I liked that hot tub scene because I'm a creep. That kind of made me sad. And, And I can totally understand why that's a nail in the coffin for you. And I think the more I think about it, if I had been, if I were LJ, I would have been like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe let's not. It's less for me the fact that he was waiting for Jen, although that's really bad. It's kind of more the fact that he's been gaslighting her for months. Yeah. That she's like, it was probably Jen, though, that did it. And he's like, we don't know that. Like, oh, yeah, you do. And he's like, there's so much bad blood between you already. Like, hey, um, that's true. And also, you don't get to lie to someone because you're trying to, like, micromanage how they feel about somebody else. When that person did something that was, like, really horrifically wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't disagree. It's just horrifying. I mean, that I was like, she, I, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, I don't disagree no. with that. I don't disagree. So they break up in this conversation. They break up and she's really sad. They go to the aquarium a lot of great sad songs on this soundtrack. A lot of great sad songs. Peter is like obviously crushed and tries to talk to her at the aquarium. And he, he, she's just like, here's your necklace back. And he's like, ah, dip. And LJ says in this voiceover that she thought that she and Peter could get through anything, but she really wasn't being honest with him. Because they've been dating for two whole entire months. <laughs> Listen, that's a long time if you're in high school, I guess. I wouldn't know. It wasn't a long time for me in high school, but that's because I'm a big old penguin. So I'm a, you know, monogamous, serial monogamist. But, you know, they weren't honest with each other. And you see her texting someone and you think it's, I thought it was John Ambrose. It's actually Jen. 
And she and Jen kind of have a heart to heart and It's not quite a reconciliation. It's it's a But it's sort of a detente. It's a burying of the hatchet. Yeah. It's not let's be friends again, but it's just sort of like, listen, we gotta deal with this. And she tells Jen that, you know, she's like, look, for a long time, I thought it was Peter that couldn't get over you. But like, I'm really having trouble sort of getting over you. Like, our I, for this crazy moment, I was like, oh, is this where she sort of like reveals that she's a lesbian and she's uh, actually in love with Jen this whole time? I really did have that thought of like, whoa, they really took a left turn here. To all the girls I've secretly loved. <laughs> That's the third one. And, you know, she put their friendship bracelet in the time capsule and and Jen reveals that she's done this. She did the same and, you know, said it was empty because she didn't want to admit that she blah, blah, blah friendship with. (laughs) I mean, it's just I'm I'm not trying to be flip, but like it's just very much like I didn't want to admit that we used to be close and now we're not and blah, blah. By the way, not a word escapes LJ's lips along the lines of, I can't believe you videotaped me and put me on Instagram and put stills of it on my locker. Right. Like, it's just... Which once again... I guess she kind of confronted her at the end of the first movie, but holy guacamole. Right. And like, once again, that sort of makes me wonder, like... Was that whole thing kind of a uh, shoehorn in? Because it, you're right, tonally, it doesn't really work with the with the rest of the movie. That, like, somebody would do something that horrific and then you have this, like, cover-up and all that stuff. Like, wouldn't it have been a little more sensical if it was, like, it was actually Jen's best friend, which I guess would have to be a character that would have to exist in the movie or something. Right. But, like, it was actually Jen's best friend who, Jen came out, she saw you at the hot tub... And then she saw you making out with me and she like went back to her room, like crying and screaming because he was, she, you know, they were supposed to have a rendezvous and then the best friend goes out and takes the tape. So then it's like, at least you can kind of buy this reconciliation at the end to some degree because yeah. it wasn't, you, she kind of caused it and she probably didn't stop her roommate from doing it, but she wasn't actually the one hitting the record button. Yeah. Or yeah, you're right. I mean, and this is the like what you said, these movies are cut so thin that we don't get a lot of extraneous characters. So you don't get Jen's click, right? Jen is probably the type of girl that has a click, right? The like Regina George style kind of girls who who follow her around. And so like, yeah, I would, I would believe, or I would also believe that Jen took the video and, you know, herself, but was planning to like, show LJ or something privately, but then, like, one of her friends thought it was funny and put it up or whatever. Yeah, like, any any mitigating circumstances any cir- at all. Any circumstances that wasn't, like, I did this all to you and your boyfriend's been lying to you about it, but we're all basically friends at, at the end. Especially if she didn't technically post it, then it really does become, like, well, I didn't really lie to you. She didn't post it. You know, it's still, right. which is still a jerk move, but it's at least not like straight up gaslighting. Like maybe you, like, you, yeah. Yeah, I think that would have been like any sort of mitigating factor to to try and be like, because there was that misunderstanding in the first movie where, okay, he goes to Jen's room. And that's the other reason why I wonder about this plot point, because he went to Jen's room after the hot tub to, like, break it off with her officially and say, I'm in love with Lara Jean. And so why do that if you were going to, if you were actually waiting for Jen? 
Right. I don't think I know what you mean. Oh, you mean in the first movie? Oh, that. But you said after the hot tub, though. Does isn't it after the hot tub he goes to Jen's room? Well, then that's the explanation, right? That he was supposed to meet up with her. He hooked up with LJ instead, and then he goes to Jen's room to be like, "I hooked up with LJ instead." <laughs> right. So- sorry, but yeah, but that means that she was in her room at the time that they were hooking up? Question mark. I don't know. Well, by the time they were done. That's true. It was a, you know. But there was that sort of misunderstanding where he tries to explain what's going on and it turns out that it was like a sweet thing he was doing for her. And this time it's like the misunderstanding is like, oh no, you actually lied to me. It wasn't a sweet thing that you were trying to do for me. It was a real bad move. And so like... But LJ and Jen have this kind of moment where they realize, okay, even if we're not connected anymore, even if we're not friends anymore, like we're still connected. We still have a history. And this is when Jen, or, you know, she realizes that Jen and Peter have the same thing. And so like, she can't always be mad at Peter for having this pre-existing relationship with Jen because she has one too. It just looks different. And Jen was also saying that like, look, I'm not trying to like, call peter to just to ruin your relationship like my parents are going through a divorce it's really scary and sad i don't know who else to talk to peter's been through it which we know from the first movie because his dad left his family so there's also this sense of like you know i thought this was actually kind of legit like she and peter have a history and who are you gonna go to if you're Jen and you probably don't have that many like emotionally close relationships because you're a big old B all the time, like you're probably going to go to the person who probably emotionally knows you the best, even if it's a sort of a strained relationship at this point. But that's like, it's just so far from being the point. It's like, if that had been the explanation and that had been all there was to it, like that's why we, you have this photo of us hugging. Then it's like, Okay, sure. But that's like just the, that's just the snowflake at the top. And then the avalanche at the bottom is the gaslighting and the fact that she cyber bullied LJ. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree. So we see John Corbett, dad and Trina walking her dog and holding hands for a hot second. No further interrogation of how LJ is feeling about her dad dating someone it's in that you know they're getting ready for the party at the old folks home holland taylor gives lj like a bang and makeover and this beautiful dress and lj looks amazing <laughs> i think she says she's like it should be illegal to look like this good darling or something like that <laughs> and then she comes down the stairs and john ambrose is waiting and they dance together and he and it's really sweet yeah and he tells her this story about how he almost asked her out in sixth grade, but to a dance and chickened out. And she tells him that she and Peter broke up and they go outside and it's snowing, even though it's March and they kiss. And she sort of realizes like, this is not who I want to be kissing. (sighs) And LJ is sort of worried that she's ruined things with Peter. And Holland Taylor is like, you can have the dress and also... It'll really hurt if this guy doesn't want to get back with you. But, like, that's life. It'll hurt. And she's like, okay. And then she leaves. And Peter's waiting outside for her. And because he remembers that she doesn't like driving in the snow. And it's snowing. So he came to drive her home. And he says, break my heart, Covey. 
just break it into a million pieces. You do whatever you want. And she says, I love you. And he says, I love you too. And they kiss. And then she has a voiceover where she says, to have it all, you got to risk it all. And I liked the ending, but apparently... And there's a really weird shot where the two of them are just rising up Yeah, I thought that was super weird. I thought that was maybe, like, reminiscent of the lantern. It's reminiscent of the lantern. But it's just like... It's VV weird. It's just like the end of Greece. It is the end of Greece. (laughs) It's very weird. So, yeah. I mean, I think we've sort of had discussion throughout, but... You know, I, I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I just hate this, like, nice guys finish last BS. And, like, <clears throat> look, uh, Laura Jean is fundamentally a studious, serious, introverted, kind of staid and almost prim and proper girl. And... There's a reality when you're talking about like teenage hormones and like the stuff that kids get up to or whatever of like how. Okay, mom. (sighs) (laughs) No, but I am a mom now. Like this is the actual things that I have to think about. Like, and I'm sorry that I'm old. (laughs) I know this movie is not for me, but like, (sighs) you know, I think we kind of talked about this last time we did the first movie, but like. When you are a teenage girl, teenage boys are terrifying. Like, not every single last one of them, but as a class of people, <laughs> teenage boys are terrifying. They are terrifying. And, like, Peter is... I I would have said in the last movie that, oh, he seems like he's one of these guys that you can't trust, that you don't want your you know, your kid to be with, but then he kind of proves himself to not be that thing and everything's fine. And then in this movie, it's like, I can't really say that anymore. Um, I, like, I don't know if I fully agree with that, but okay. Okay, but let, let me finish yeah. my ranting, which is that, like, he he is behaving in ways that make her unhappy. She says at one point that it's easy for her to be with John Ambrose and it's difficult for her to, like, just to hang out with Peter. That it's just easier for her to just exist with John Ambrose, which is because... Their temperaments are much more similar. Their interests are much more similar. They're most, they're much more serious about their studies. They are serious about developing a college resume or whatever. Like Peter is a goof off and he's in this like, well, he certainly cares a lot more about sports than he seems to care about any academics. I mean, look, I don't, maybe he's a great student or whatever, but not that there's any evidence of that ever. I I just felt like when I think back to what it felt like to be a high school girl, if for some, if there had been some crazy random happenstance that had led to me dating like a super jock who was also beloved by like every girl in the school. And then I was having feelings for this like quiet boy who actually matched my temperament a lot better i think that would have caused me to be like oh yeah like this is actually the thing that i need in my life like the peter is sort of flashy and interesting but like fundamentally our our temperaments don't match like we don't we can't really exist in this like really rigid caste system of high school we can't coexist peacefully when we are in like these vastly different castes that create vastly different behavior models and so therefore like it just doesn't it just doesn't work i kind of wish that that had been more the conversation in the last movie between josh and 
Peter. Hmm. Because Peter is also the sensitive kid who she can just exist around, right? You mean, you mean Josh? I'm sorry. I keep doing this. Josh. Josh is... White boy facial blindness. Josh is also the kid that she is... Is easier for her to be around. He's like the sensitive. What does Peter call him? The bony vera wannabe, like the ah. sensitive boy, who she can just exist around, and they have a very easy relationship with one another. And she has to get out of her comfort zone for Peter. And I think in the last movie, that was portrayed as a good thing, right? That she's getting out of her comfort zone for Peter because she is very safe in her like cocoon where she watches golden girls with kitty on a Friday night, instead of going out and doing things that her peers are doing. And that whole conversation with John Corbett, dad was like, you are blossoming because you're around this person who's bringing out a different side of you. And it reminds me of your mother and the way that she really embraced life. And I always felt like I should have been taking those risks with her. Right. And so that was the, view of Peter in that movie was that he was adding to her life and bringing out things in her. And I think the difference is in this movie, you have a similar situation where you have two guys, but we see much more of the realities of dating Peter versus like the presumed reality of dating somebody else. Right? Like she is not happy at that party. And I think Lucas says to her, like, oh, you're not into, like, whatever the beer pong or whatever it was. Whatever, and she's yeah. like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I never am. Like, he just, he has a different, and it's fine. People are different. But, like. <sighs> but I thought what was interesting about that party, and not to interrupt you, but, like, I I, I see where you're going. But what I thought was interesting about that party was he noticed that she wasn't having a good time and they left. Yes, Sure, but he took her there in the first place and she never enjoys it. There, People have different temperaments and I'm not making a value judgment on that. But if, if person A is like super party, 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 drink, 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 or do drugs or whatever. And person B is like golden girls on a Friday night is my epitome of entertainment. Like I just don't see that they are a compatible fit. In the first movie, there was more of her seeming to actually enjoy. And this would have been a fine thing, right? That, like, actually she's been pulled out of her shell and she actually, it turns out she actually enjoys these parties. And you also, But in this movie, it was very much like she doesn't enjoy them. And she doesn't, she doesn't seem to be friends with any of the the other uh, lacrosse girlfriends. Well, and interestingly, in the first movie, she says his friends became my friends. So you would. Yes. That's the thing, as I think... Which kind of, again, it's another retcon, because it's like, wait, weren't you all friends in middle school and you buried a time capsule right. together? Or maybe the, he, the lacrosse boys are new friends in high school, right? All right. But I think it's a little bit of their, again, in this movie, like, going, like, erasing some of that progress, right? Because, like, they were fake dating for several months before this, and so she knows all these people... And maybe, and it did seem like, A, she was kind of having a good time last time, or at least was willing to try. And B, that he was also, there's a scene where the three of them, Kitty and Peter and LJ, are watching Golden Girls on a Friday night. So he's participating in her Adapting to her. Yeah. And so 
There seemed to be a little less of that in this movie. And I wonder if that's because oh, all of a sudden we're real dating now. So like things are different, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think they, I think I totally see where you're coming from. And the reason that I liked that, I, I liked the ending and I liked that she stayed with Peter is that I wanted, it, it's not that I thought Jan, John Ambrose would have been like a bad pick for her because I don't think that at all. I I wanted, I didn't want her insecurities over his previous experiences and her perceived like lack of, you know, she had a lot of self-esteem issues around physical intimacy and around like the fact that she wasn't maybe popular enough or whatever. And I didn't want those things to win out. I think that maybe is the difference between the way we're looking at it is that, you know, I think it's one thing for her. It would have been one thing for her at the end of the movie to say, you know what? I kept comparing myself to these other people and I thought that was what was making me unhappy. But the real thing that was making me unhappy is that like, this just isn't me. And I shouldn't be comparing myself to these people, to Jen or to the other lacrosse girlfriends, because I don't want to be that. I want to be, you know, lame in a cool way. Isn't that what she says with John Ambrose? With John Ambrose. So like, I think maybe that would have made the difference for me if she was like, oh, I realize like, I don't even want to compare myself because I've been insecure this whole time. And maybe I should listen to that in a different way and realize that like, I'm just going to take myself out of that situation and be in a more comfortable situation. But the reason I like the fact that she ended up getting back with Peter is because I thought that showed some amount of growth in like, I'm not going to be governed by my insecurities and we're going to like figure out a way to like be in a healthier relationship with each other where I'm not constantly walking on eggshells to not upset you and you're not doing the same for me and all those kinds of things. Right. Because like I've been in that situation too, where you're with somebody and you're not happy, but you're not really saying anything because you're insecure and like, that's not a good way to be. Uh, And so I just didn't want, like, you're worried that the, you know, and, and she has this moment where they have, they're in the middle of a fight and she assumes they're breaking up. And because he has a different experience of relationships, he's like, no, we're not breaking up. We're just having a fight. Um, I, I just didn't, I would, I didn't want it to be that like the insecurity was what drove them apart, but I totally understand where you're coming from too. And I think maybe if it had been pitched differently, I would have had a different feeling about the ending or i would have if she had picked john ambrose i would have felt differently about it does that make I mean, sense i also would have liked for kaminsky to have a real apology yeah does he ever truly apologize about his actions vis-a-vis that video and the whole hot tub thing like in a genuine way that makes me believe that he understands the gravity of what he's done like no yeah. he does not no you're right you're right and also, like, John Ambrose, man, like, what a sweet He's a cutie kid. pie. It's just, like... He's a cutie pie. I don't know. It's just, like, this grand tradition of, like... Well, it's, like, a couple grand traditions, none of which I particularly like. Mm. One is that, like, dance with the one who brung you. That, like, all YA in the last, like, 20 years or so has been, has been like, sort of slavishly adherent to this, like, whoever you met first... That's your true love. Yeah. <laughs> like from Twilight to 
I could think of a million other like terrible YA, but let's not. Like, also, it's late and I'm tired. Yeah. But like, that there is this like real like um pr- primacy bias mm-hmm. that that oh if it, the the first one to get there like that's the true owner of the female's affections right. right i'm i'm saying this in a, an offensive way on purpose right, right, right. like that's a real thing that it, that's like a real trope that i'm super tired of and uh i'm sure there was other things i was going to say that i <laughs> but it's all, but you mentioned it before too it's, it's completely the, it's the whiffed on. nice guys finish last and all that kind of stuff right that you know the guy who's just uncomplicatedly kind and loving I will tell you the one YA book I can think of that subverts both of these tropes is Hunger Games. I didn't like Hunger so, Games. I didn't read it. Oh, I really liked it. Uh, but spoilers for Hunger Games. It subverts both of these in that the boy who gives her the uncomplicated and sweet affection, who is also not the first boy, is the one who wins out in the end. And that's actually a big reason why I and really And a lot of people were really pissed about that, right? Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Like... The, the idea that your relationship has to be, especially as a teenager, like, your relationship has to be tumultuous and, you know, you have to, and it has to be opposites attract. And, like, you know, Brianna and I live in the real world. We're in our 30s. We're old now. <laughs> and I think we can safely say that, like, generally opposites don't attract. And generally your relationship should not be the sort of constant, like, Sturm und Drang and... M- and, and and you're not going to stay with the first guy that catches your eye. <laughs> I think the the last part is the truest for me that like yeah, I mean it's high school the 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 idea of this relationship lasting I don't think it lasts when they get to college, right? Like I, I don't no. think that's the case. But it's interesting to me because I remember our last episode we were talking about like how how you think she's going to end up with Josh and it's interesting that opposites attract and that is a good thing. So I think it's probably the testament to the way in which John Ambrose's character was drawn in this movie that like you're feeling very differently. And like, honestly, yeah, because he has a character, right? Josh didn't (laughs) Josh, Josh's defining character trait was he was mopey and he used to date her sister. There was always this level with Josh that because he had dated Margot, he was never truly an option. Right? Right. And so the the first movie didn't treat him as such and really played his sense played up his sensitivity in like the toxic sensitivity way. Like we kind of talked about this last time right. of like Bro, she just wanna talk to you, bro. Yeah, like, Get out of here, told bro. Told you to leave, man. Like it's this very like I can't believe you like Possessive. Right. Yeah. I can't believe you like him because he is a jock and like you're not supposed to like boys like that. But da 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 da. And this movie was much more like, there was a, I will say like with John Ambrose, there was a little bit of, to me of like, oh, he's jealous of Peter. And so he's going to bag on Peter a little bit. That happens, but not. He says true things, by the way. Right. right. But like, not, that's what I mean. Like, not to the same extent as Josh seems to be making wild generalizations yes and john ambrose seems to be like oh does he still do that thing where he eats the last slice of pizza (laughs) and is he which is basically shorthand for is he still thoughtless or selfish is he yeah yeah is he still thinking of himself before he's thinking of anybody else (sighs) i don't know man i i i 
felt so much for LJ in this movie. And so much of it for me was like, this relationship isn't working. And, and it might be because they're in high school and it might be because it was early days. Yeah. And that's fine. Uh, but so much of it for me was just like, look how, look how unhappy she is. Like, she's unhappy that he blows her off at this volunteer, you know, that he goes and falls in tears with his bros. She's unhappy that he whiffs Valentine's Day. And she's unhappy that he doesn't really communicate with her about what his expectations are for what she should be doing. Because, like, you know, in their world, it's it's as though she's dating, like, Prince Harry or whatever, Right. And it's like dating Prince Harry, but not knowing how you're supposed to dress or how to deal with the paparazzi or whatever. That that she kind of just got thrown into the deep end and she never got any guidance from him. And also there's this huge mismatch on like how, what their level of experience is. And I think that when you're 16 or 17, having a boyfriend who had like a girlfriend who he had for years and years that he was very physical with is a very different experience. And again, I don't say this from first-hand <laughs> experience. This is just this is just a, an assumption on my part. Then, then having a boyfriend who, kind of like you, is a little bit of a late bloomer and is a little bit, you know, like, just like you, kind of just dipping their toe in for the first time. And maybe this is all just a reflection of, like, my own, like, deep-seated preference for safety over adventure. Mm. And that's fine but i kind of feel like lj would have that same (laughs) deep-seated preference that's kind of who she is yeah i mean it's interesting because like i read some of this i read some of their interactions differently or i read the you know like i i see where you're coming from like she's unhappy in certain ways but some of that to me reads as she's feeling insecure in herself and there's you know, maybe things he could do, Peter could do to, like, make her feel a little bit better in the moment. But, like, some of the stuff she has to work through in her own way. Like, it's not a fault of Peter's that he had a long-term girlfriend before her. There's nothing he can do about that. There's nothing he can do to change no, that. No, and I'm not trying to say that it is a fault. Right, right, right. I'm just trying to say that it's a it's a situational mismatch. Sure, and I, I understand that. But I think in her, the biggest... And I think in his own way, let's put the hot tub thing aside because I don't even know how to deal with that. And I ultimately agree (laughs) with you. So it's not a part of my argument. But I think in, you know, for Valentine's Day, I've said this before, but like, just to go back to it for a second, like, I think he was trying to give her the Valentine's Day that he thought she would want, which is much quieter and much more personal. And the insecurity that she has is well that's not what he did for jen and so i am i am putting myself up against his previous relationship and a lot of her unhappiness comes from the fact that like jen seemed to be more of a fit for him in certain ways and you could say that that's true, but, yeah, some, but of that also like... some of that is internal. Some of that is like you, this person is with you. You have to trust that they want to be with you. And if you don't want to be with each other, then that's a different conversation. But LJ is correctly surmising that all eyes are on her to see what she gets. And he should realize that. He should not be a dummy. He should realize that. And even if he says... I don't think what she wants is to be serenaded. 
you know, all seven periods in a row for him to even just send her a text message first thing in the morning to be like, happy Valentine's Day. I've got your happy Valentine's Day. I've got your Valentine's, I've got your Valentine's surprise waiting for you. Meet me here at this time. Let's have lunch together. Let's do something. Right. It really seems like, I mean, she's like 12 lockers away (laughs) when he opens up her, his locker to the avalanche of Valentines, and he's just laughing off like, hey, look at all, look at the whole girl's soccer team wrote me Valentines or whatever. With, like, no awareness that she's there and she might have feelings about that, which, like, I'm sorry, that's just extremely basic emotional awareness. Mm. That's interesting, because in the last movie, he was painted as, like, surprisingly emotionally aware for a jock, right? That was the whole point. And I do think... Yeah, it's interesting. And I do think that at points in this movie he is look i would feel very differently if when they had the conversation about physical intimacy if he in any way shape or form was like come on right like it's not that well, big that's of a not, deal blah blah that, that's not I, I, that that would have instantly turned the tide right right and so that's why it didn't happen right but you know or even not even that right not even that but just like you know saying like yeah, well, I mean, I do miss it, but like we'll get there one day, right? Ha <laughs> ha. Like if he had handled it in a way that was insensitive to her feelings, but I mean, that was a situation where I really did feel like he was trying to meet her and was genuine. And she brings up Jen and he's like, "Let's not. I don't want to talk about that. Let's not talk about that. Like, can we please not because that's not a fair comparison to draw. And it's also not, again, like not his fault. And it's something that like the two of them should talk about, but it's not, it shouldn't be the basis for your new relationship should not be, well, here's how it was in my last relationship. And I've, you know, certainly been in situations where like that stuff comes up, but yeah, I, I, I think, I would have maybe felt differently if that conversation had gone differently, if he seemed really flippant about it, but he seemed to actually in that moment, like genuinely care about making sure that she felt okay. And so, but that's like the line that in 2020, you can't have a feel good teen movie. You can't cross that line. Yeah, that's really true. I, Cause I, I'm thinking about like the teen movies that like we grew up on, like oh god you know, let's not like 10 things and <laughs> she's, all, she's that. all that they're v- and like drive me crazy they're like a lot more fast and loose with that stuff it was a different time as we like to say sure was but no i mean i ultimately i hear you i i think this movie was you know i would go back and watch the first movie again just for funsies i don't think i would watch this movie again I would watch the John Ambrose scenes and be like, well, if you're not going to have some, <laughs> LJ. And the Holland Taylor. I mean. Oh, Holland Taylor. She's fantastic. But you watch you watch Legally Blonde for that, and that's a better movie than if this. If you're going to let one stupid, I can't say that word on this podcast, ruin <laughs> your life, you're not the girl I thought you were. God, that movie is so good. Everybody watch Legally Blonde. Maybe we should do that's it for the prescription. <laughs> we should. We, don't we know have, what we're we doing are, yet. We're floating adrift in a sea. Of sadness, so. Yeah, yeah. We were going to do, what, Doctor Strange, maybe? Oh, I thought we were going to do Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yes, thank you, sorry. We can do Uh, Doctor Strange if you want. (laughs) We do all of them. 
Uh, we'll probably do. I I imagine we're probably gonna do some Marvel movie next time. Okay. In a couple weeks. Okay. Spider Man Homecoming we've talk- is. We've been talking about this movie for a really long Spider-Man time. Spider Man Homecoming, Marissa. If you want a soft, soft boy. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Everything about me screams, I want a soft, soft boy. Uh, If you want a soft, soft boy, Spider-Man Homecoming is the movie for you. Tom Holland is the softest boy there is. (laughs) He is so cute. I await it with pleasure. And MJ is aggressively weird. Just... Aggressively well, she is weird. in the in the in the Far From Home She's too. She's even weirder. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> like Far From Home, they like toned her down a little bit. <laughs> MJ and Homecoming is like super weird. Yeah, oh, but good. we can. Yeah. It's the he's the softest boy. It's very cute. Excellent. And Michael Keaton's in it. <laughs> oh, right as Vulture. Yes, Green Goblin. Vulture. Vulture. Which Vulture? Vulture. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Uh, until next time, get on with that hashtag pensive bake. <laughs> Snickerdoodles, right? Yeah. All right. We will see you next time, Ding Dongs. Hold on just a second. Okay. Shut up! Are you laughing at me? (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Joe. (laughs) All right. Um... (laughs)